Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We have a guest speaker with us, and we hope that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? You good? Are you happy? I'm happy to be out. I've never spent 12 weeks at home in my life. And it, it was good. It was good. I learned how to reupholster chairs. I learned how to clean closets and garages. And that was the first week and a half. It was, it was crazy, but it's all good. If you got a Bible, you need to go to the book of Psalms, chapter Psalms 23. We're going to go old school. Psalms 23. Now, before I get started, let me go ahead and just explain to you. If you've never heard me speak before, I'm a little different. I'm just a little, little different. I am a Southern brother. I was born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee. I got to play football at the University of Tennessee. And I love the state of Tennessee. I never lost Alabama. But I did lose to Florida. That's not a clapping point. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but I like that. Now, here it is. Rules are simple when you have a Southern black preacher. Number one, you got to talk to the preacher. Everybody say, come on, Reggie. Come on. Number two, you got to talk to each other. Look at your neighbor, look him in the eye and just say, all right, all right, all right. Turn to the person on the other side. If you do it again, say, all right, all right, all right. Number three, hey, you, the guy sitting in the chair with his boxers on. Please go put pants on before I start my sermon. Thank you very much. <laughs> There's a guy sitting on his couch going, uh-oh. <laughs> but I don't know why you're doing that anyway. Okay. Now, now, and last but not least, have a good time. I don't preach long. I got to get it done. But I'm also that brother who speaks to the elephant in the room. So let's talk to the elephant in the room. Number one, COVID-19. I've been tested four times. But I'm good. My wife put it on Instagram. Reggie was tested four times for COVID-19, but y'all know he ain't never passing a test, so it's all good. I don't know if that was a compliment or not right there. Number two, let me help you out with this. I don't know where racism came from. I don't know, but it needs to go back to hell where they came from, okay? Because that ain't right. It ain't right. It's wrong. It is wrong. It's just wrong. It's demonic. It's wrong. When I was a kid growing up, now, if you haven't heard me or know my story, I grew up in foster care my entire life. My mom was a prostitute, slept with a man for 20 bucks to get food for my brother and my two sisters. Mom kept my brother's sisters but gave me away. Don't look all sad. It's all good. I was raised by her favorite teacher from high school. So an English teacher whose husband was the school janitor raised me. And they used to have these, like, VHS tapes, little girl in the middle. That would be like an old school Netflix Just saying. And so, so, so my, my, one day my mama came in and stopped it. She pushed pause. She goes, listen to me. And it was like Martin Luther King, his famous speech, I have a dream. She halfway through stopped it. She goes, listen to me. Let me tell you about racism. Everybody chocolate. You might be white chocolate, milk chocolate, or dark chocolate, but baby, all chocolate good. Go love the world, baby. Love the world. Mama. Now, my mom and dad had this thing. One can't get outdone by the other. So my dad goes, look at me, boy. 
Let me tell you how it is. And my dad said, if it weren't for white people, Hispanic people, and black people, we wouldn't have three games in the world today. And I said, huh? He said, white people invented shooting pool. You got a white ball, hit all the color balls in, save the black ball for last. <laughs> good game, good game. My Latino brothers and sisters invented soccer. That way they can kick the white man and the black man around all day long. But black people, we invented bowling. You get a colored ball and you knock down all the white rednecks. There it is right there. And then my dad said, if you were offended by one of those, then you're the one with the problem because everybody bleeds red. We got to love each other the way we were made. That's how I was taught. So I just think we just need to love the world. And the church is the best place to find that love. Amen? Amen. I'm just saying. See, that was easy. I should run for president. I'm just saying, all right? Just no, no. You age when you get that job. Y'all see what it does to a brother? Uh -huh. No way. I'm good, though. I'm, I'm 57 years old. I look good because black don't crack. And, um, and if you got Psalms 23, we're going to get started. But I need to give you something. I need to give you some, a little comfort today. Here's what I found out. If you're coming up against something you don't understand, you're coming up against something you can't handle, you need to understand my sermon today and the song I'm going to play for you right now. Because it's real simple. If you don't know what else to do and you can't find a way through, say the name of Jesus. The song simply says, say the name.
In the book of Psalms 23, verse 1, the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I like that. Especially that last word, nothing. It should be a little different, though. It should be the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Because if you got nothing, you still got I-N-G. But if you got nothing, you pole with no R. You know what I'm saying? That's as black as we're going to get this morning. We can go on. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Everybody say, my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Say, his namesake. See, when you live your life for someone greater than you, your life goes a little better. But when you live your life for yourself, you've already capped your ceiling. That's a whole nother sermon by itself. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I love that better. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, it comforts me. There is one thing we can be certain of this morning. And you can be absolutely sure of this one thing. God is always at work. When we are at the crossroads of life, when we're forced to face things we don't think we have to face in life, he's there. Even when we don't think we can make it, he's there. Even when Fox News doesn't say it, he's there. Even when CNN don't say it, he's there. You got to understand, this is not a Republican or a Democrat thing. It's not a white or a black thing. It's the condition of a man's soul thing. And only Jesus can change that. I'm starting too fast. I need to slow down a little bit. But I love Psalms 23 because David speaks of a deep, dark valley where there seems to be no ray of light and you feel like you can't make it through. But I'm going to say something. I'm going to say it twice so you get it. Listen to me. Valleys are not dead-end streets. I'm going to say it one more time. Valleys are not dead in streets. I don't care how dark it is on this Sunday. I don't care if you're sitting in your house trying to figure out why you're even watching this. It is nothing that you can't get through without Jesus. Somebody say amen. Y'all sang the song this morning, not me. I heard that song about turning bones in the, in the absolute armies. He's the same God that did that. He's the same today. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you're going to make it. The disappointments and frustrations and discouragements, the dilemmas of life, although they are valleys, they should not be classified as a disaster. COVID-19 is not a disaster. Racism is not a disaster because before there was racism and before there was COVID-19, God had already made a road through that situation. You got to understand, if he did it with the Red Sea, he could do it in our life today. Just because you can't see it don't mean he ain't already made that road. Man, I'm preaching good this morning. Must, must have been the brisket I ate last night. In Psalms 23, the first word is this shadow because David says it ain't nothing but a shadow. So I looked it up in Webster's Dictionary. Sorry, little brother. Now you would just Google it. Okay, so here's the definition of a shadow. A dark area or shape produced by a body coming between rays of light and a surface. I'm going to give it to you again. A dark area or shape produced by a body coming between rays of light and a the surface. Then it hit me. 
In John chapter 1, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So if David is right, and everything, every frustration, every hurt, pain, and sorrow that we go through, if it's just the valley of the shadow of death, then for there to be a shadow, light has to be present. And if Jesus is the light of the world, in every shadow that we have to go through, he's present. He's there. You may not be able to see him, smell him, touch him, or taste him, but he's right there. Why is it we can believe in anatomy but not in God? They told you you have a brain. How many of you have ever seen your own brain? You ain't never seen your own brain. Don't even think about it. You just know it's there. You even know where it's at. You know where your heart is. All this stuff, they tell you it's there, but you, have you seen yours? But you know it's there because somebody told you. When you sit down on that chair, something in your brain said it will hold you. Now, every now and then, that don't work for brothers like me. But you trust that chair. Why would you trust something like that and not God? I don't want to go too deep on y'all. But see, valleys are the only route to our own personal promised land. There's no way around it, no way through it. If we never had pain and sorrow, we wouldn't know who Jesus is. It's like when the Egyptians got to the Red Sea. When they got to the Red Sea, everything, it just all fell apart. That fell apart. Now, I'm going to go there. So I need you to go to Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to start reading in verse 13. But before we get there, when... Moses got the people of Israel to the Red Sea. Before that moment right there, it was absolute celebration. Everybody was singing Moses' praises. Everybody like, we love Moses. Yes, we do. We love Moses. How about you? We love him more. We love him more. And in all these situations, when there's somebody having a really good time, there's always somebody in the group who does what somebody in that group did. You're always going to have somebody who can't enjoy the moment. Instead, they look back. Why are you looking back? There's a reason why the rearview mirror is so much smaller than the front windshield. You keep looking back, you're going to run into something. And that's when you get everybody else in trouble. It's my life. I do what I want. Yeah, right. Right up until the point you get COVID and you spread it. Not, it's not, it's not, not political. You know what it's like? It's like God put us all in timeout on March. It's like God looked at the world and said, I'm done with y'all. Go to your room, and when you come out, be better. We're still in our room. Somebody need to learn something up in here, all right? So we can come out and be better. We have to be better. But he, and I hate to do this to you because I know some of you, and I said it four times, some of you are going to go political, but think about it. How do you take care of COVID according to the world? First, social distancing. Second, wear a mask. Three, wash your hands. Why do they have to tell a grown man to wash his hands? I don't know, all right? But that's a whole nother story and another sermon right there. But here it is. You're doing all these things. Are you doing them for yourself? No, you're doing them to protect other people who are more vulnerable. All you're doing is being the good Samaritan. But we don't look at it that way. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Now watch this. In Exodus chapter 14, here's what's crazy. Crazy, crazy. The people get to the Red Sea. All of a sudden, somebody look back. When they look back, they see the entire Egyptian army. Not some of them. Everybody coming. And they ain't coming to say, hey, please come back. We'll pay you. No. They said they're coming to kill everybody. Kill everybody. All of a sudden, everybody going, we love Moses. Yes, we do. All of a sudden, they're like, let's kill Moses. Let's kill Moses. Everything changes. And here they are at the Red Sea. And Moses is about to speak. Now, a lot of you are like, oh, yeah, I know this part. I know this part. 
Moses is going to like say something, then he's going to raise his stick, and then the water's going to part left to right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all don't think, that, see, a lot of you are like, Moses watched the night before the movie with Charleston Heston, so he knew exactly how to do this, and he knew what was going to happen. No, somebody had to live the life, so somebody wrote about the life, then they made a movie, a movie about that life. What you have to do is live your life for God so strong that somebody's going to write about you, and then they're going to make a movie about you, and then the world's going to know that they could trust God the way you did. The way it was then is the way it is now. We need somebody in the middle of this darkness to raise up Jesus so high that the whole world can see him, and it's going to be the church. Has to be the church. So they're all mad. Here's Moses. Moses answered, don't be afraid. Stand your ground and you will see the Lord will save you today. You will never see these Egyptians again. Okay, that's straight up some good stuff. That is like, that is awesome. That is like superhero stuff right there. You will never see these Egyptians again. And you know inside Moses' heart, he's like, we're going to die. But somebody got to be the leader up in this thing. He goes, well, you'll never see these Egyptians. Look at verse 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you will have to do is keep still. Everybody say, keep still. One more time, say, keep still. I like verse 15. Look at it. Moses, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying? Isn't that cool? That's my picture of God right there. See, some of you have God like this dude in a white dress and a purple sash running through the woods hugging trees, which is fine for you. My life ain't like that. I need God to be Arnold Schwarzenegger with the guns out going, I'll be back. That's what my God is, all right? He said, why are you crying? Tell the people to move. Hey, don't move until God tells you to move. Don't speak until God tells you to move. Don't stand until God tells you to stand. Look at verse 15, verse 16. Lift up your walking stick and hold it over to see. Everybody say, lift it up. Come on, say, lift it up. One more time, say, lift it up. The title of my message this morning is simply, lift it up. The waters will divide and the Israelites will be able to walk through the sea on dry ground. Everybody say, on dry ground. Come on, say, on dry ground. You know what's really cool about that? Here's what's really cool about that. Because back when, when Pharaoh said, get your people and go, all the Israelites can go, all the little Pharaoh teenagers had saved their money to get those new air, air pharaohs. Because if we're leaving, we got to have come, you got to get some airs. You got to have those on your feet. And so when they got them and they're walking, they get to the Red Sea, they see the miracle of the water parting left and right. But these kids are like, ah, I'm going to get my air pharaohs muddy. Oh, until they took that first step and realized it was dry ground. Now, I know it was funny because some of y'all look at me like, wait a minute, air pharaohs? Like Air Jordans? <laughs> I know, it's kind of funny. But I have to do some things on a teenager level. So teenagers, since I'm doing it on your level, let me talk to you. No matter what you were missing, no matter what 2020 did, if you were a senior and was graduating, you didn't get to walk across the stage. If you're a baseball player, never got to play. A girl softball player, never got to play. A track and field athlete, never got to play. 2021 is going to double up what you missed in 2020. I don't know how, but I know the same God that could part the sea and make the ground dry is going to take care of you because his concerns are your concerns. Somebody clap for our teenagers. They can make it. Somebody look at a teenager and say, you're going to make it? You know what I love? I love what David started. 
In Psalms 23, he starts with, the Lord is my shepherd. Everybody say, my shepherd. You know what I like about that is, is it's like today. If you notice, I have yet to tell you what to do. I ain't telling nobody what to do. I don't know you people, but I'll tell you what I did. I trusted in God with all my heart, all my might and all my strength. That day in Tallahassee on March 6th, I think it was, on a Friday, I did lay on high school. And then that night I had student body presidents from all over Florida here. They were at this Capitol and they used that gym to do a big event. And I spoke at that. And I looked, I remember looking at your pastor saying, dude, something's coming down and it's going to come down really fast. Because I do public schools around the world, the government works real close with us and they let us know. And I knew something was coming. I knew I didn't know how bad it was, but I knew something was coming. What's crazy about all that was for 13 weeks, I got paid nothing. And I paid every bill. I don't know how my wife makes money come from nowhere. I didn't ask because then it might not work anymore. You see, some of you are like, yeah, but you're an evangelist. I don't work the way normal evangelists work. And I just want you to understand the miracle in this. I don't have a support list. You know, some evangelists have people support them monthly so they can make sure they're all right and taken care of. I didn't do that. I believe... For me, my wife said, don't take money from the local church unless you're there preaching and they give it to you. Don't put a price tag on the gospel. The gospel don't need to be paid for. It needs to be given freely. If we're going to preach on faith, if we're going to trust in God, if he called us to this job, then he is able to take care of us. Now, you can clap for that, but 13 weeks later, I'm still standing because God took care of us. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. I don't know what you're facing on this Sunday morning, but I know why I'm playing. I'm doing this sermon. This sermon's for you. And I'm just telling you how I made it. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's how I made it. The question you got to ask, is he your shepherd? Is he really your shepherd? Now, I didn't understand this whole shepherd thing, but I'm going to tell you right now, I figured it out. Because David knew good and well what it was like to be a shepherd. Because when he was a kid, his brothers went to fight a war. His dad sent him to watch sheep. One day he's watching the sheep and a bear came out of the woods, tried to kill the sheep. So David put himself between the bear and the sheep, ended up killing the bear and saving the sheep. The next day a lion came out. He must not have watched the news that morning. Because if he had, he'd know there's already a dead bear trying to take those sheep. Why he think he going to do it, I don't know. He a little hard-headed. Slept in, played Xbox too much last night. All of a sudden he came came out and went after a sheep. David stood between him and the sheep. Some of you are like, why are you doing this again? Because he said the Lord is my shepherd. David knew no matter what the world threw at him, no matter what the devil threw at him, he knew that God being his shepherd would stand between whatever hurt and that's him and would save him. And if God will do it for David, he'll do it for you. Look at your neighbor and say he's going to be all right. For the Lord is our shepherd. Look at your other neighbor and say, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, I got to give you one more thing. There's like no clock. You don't have a clock. I'm getting hungry. Okay, I got this. I got this. You should have never told me we're going to get Mexican food right before I preach. Let me help you with this. The Lord is my shepherd. I do tours all around the world, public school tours all around the world. And what I ended up doing, a tour was in South Africa. And Africa's known, and I ain't known, I'm from Knoxville, dude. 
And they had a tour for the calendar that said I was there 17 days. But the school tour had 14 days. So I started getting on day 11 and 12 and started thinking, I want to go home. Here's why. When we go to Africa, they usually start schools. They stagger the start times of their schools. So the older kids start around 6.15, 6.30 in the morning. And the younger kids start about noon. So the younger kids end up getting out of school around 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. So since we do all ages, we do 8 to 10 assembly programs every day for 14 days in a row. So you're just doing school. They go to school on Saturday. Some of them are boarding schools, so they go to school on Sunday. So between the church services, we'll go do an assembly program. They just have to tell me if I can say Jesus or not. That's what they call You don't want to get in trouble, all right? So we, at that tour, 17 days, actually 14 days, in 14 days, we did 8 to 10 schools a day. The total number of young people who heard me speak live was 73,000 kids, all right? And that's, that's what we do. I speak every year before COVID face-to-face to, -face to 1.5 million students all around the world, just giving a message of hope, and that's good. Public schools line up to have us. There are schools even now saying, can you just stay here all day and do classrooms? I say, Absolutely. We're booking whatever, however, wherever we can. Because kids need hope. I'm going to tell you right now, you think adults are messed up? Kids are really messed up. There's a little girl I went in Fort Myers, Florida. Her mom went to our women's ministry. The girl didn't go to our church. She does now. But the little girl was an eighth grader who tried to take her life. And her mom asked if I would go and see her. And they let me in to see her. And I walked into the facility and I saw her. And I said, you don't know me. My name is Reggie. I'm a friend of your mom's. At the church, they call me Pastor Reggie. And she goes, you came to my school when I was in the sixth grade. I said, yeah, that's me. I played the saxophone. She goes, oh, my goodness, you're so funny. So I said, I said you remember this joke? And I cracked a joke from the assembly program. She kind of laughed. She goes, I haven't laughed since March. I said, you can laugh. I said, why did you do this? You know what she said? I watched my mom not eat so I can. And I figured if I wasn't around anymore, she would be able to eat. And she lives in Fort Myers, Florida. Well, everybody's eating in her house now. Because I went to church and said, hey, we got to do something. And they're lined up groceries. That lady got gift cards to Publix and everywhere. Dude. It's good. That's what the church is. That's who we are. That's what we must be in a time like this. If we don't ask questions. Why is that girl hungry? Why ain't a mom feeding her? That ain't my problem. Thank you. You just got to do it. You got to be the good Samaritan. I love that story. You know what I love? Jesus told a story. And you know who Jesus threw under the bus? Preachers. He literally said, preacher walked by on the other side of the road. What the world? Then he said, the Levite walked by on the other side of the road. Y'all don't get it. You know what a Levite does? One of the duties in the temple they read or sing the Psalms before the preacher preaches. It was the worship pastor. That brother won't stop for you. That was funny. I waited all day to do that one. I love that because Jesus proves the point. He proves that no matter what title you have, it's who you are that matters. It don't matter what they say about you. It's who you are. It's who you are. You got to be better. So they finally confess. Boys in Africa go, look, 
We made it a 17-day tour because on the 15th, 16th, and 17th morning, we were going to take you on a safari. I said, a who? I'm from Knoxville. I don't know what a safari is. He goes, Africa, where we live in South Africa, we have the greatest beast in the world, and we were going to take you out to see them in their natural habitat. And I went, what? He said, that's what a safari is. You go see the animals where they live, like elephants and giraffes and zebras. We have all those. We have hippopotamus. You're going to see them all. Dude, these hippos are huge, y'all. They're huge. One came out of the water, and he started yelling. When a hippo yells, people listen. I'm just saying, all right? I saw a lion. This lion, I did not have any idea. Lions, when they roar, they point their face toward the ground because the ground carries the sound further. I was from here to the back door, and a lion stood up, shook himself, and roared. My ears buzzed from how loud it was. You could hear him three miles away because there was another group three miles away, and they got on the walkie-talkie and said, who, anybody see that lion roar? And our guy said, I see him. He says, where are you at? And he told him, and he goes, they heard that three miles away. That's amazing. But what's even worse, I was in a Jeep with no roof, no dough, and no window. You can't even roll it up to be safe. I'm like, dude, do you know what this is? He goes, what? I said, a sushi bar, and we the food, all right? We come over a hill. We came over a hill, and these elephants, I mean, there were like 20, 30 elephants, the ones with the horns rolling out in front of their face. These dudes were huge. And my driver started honking. I said, what is wrong with you? Why are you honking? He goes, they need to get out of the way. I said, it's their road. We couldn't wait. It was the last afternoon at the very end, and we were coming over a hill. We were going back to our camp to eat. And when we came over a hill, there had to be a 1,000 sheep crossing the road going down to a lake. And there was one shepherd, and he, was, they, he didn't even have to guide them. They, were, they saw the water. They go every afternoon. And he came over, and he knew our driver, and he shook hands with him. He goes, are you the... He goes, yeah, he's a preacher. He does public schools. We go, yeah, yeah. I heard you were in the schools, and we've done the schools. We don't just do the schools in the big city. We go everywhere. And we're out in the middle of nowhere. You pull up to a school, and it's just roof, no walls, floor, and they're in a square, and you stand in the middle and start playing saxophone, and kids come running out of the classroom. It's the coolest thing. So he goes, yeah, I knew you were coming. He goes, y'all got about 10 minutes? This is the coolest thing you'll ever see. I said, really? Sheep? And about that time, I mean, first, it's loud. It's like, everybody's bad, all right? Then it even got louder because behind me came another shepherd with about 2,000 sheep. On this side, I didn't see him coming with about another 1,000. There's like eight, ten thousand 10,000 sheep in this water. It's like kindergarten, first day on the playground. People jumping in the water, everybody having a good time. And they talked to us. I met these guys, four shepherds, 10,000 sheep. And I looked up and I said, hey, how many sheep do you lose every day you come down here? And the shepherd goes, I'm glad you asked. That's why we wanted you to wait. You ain't going to believe this. It's the coolest thing ever. But you got to remember Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I said, yeah. He says, give him a couple of minutes. So we talked, talked about being a shepherd, all that stuff. 
And then all of a sudden, he goes, Freddie, you go first. And Freddie, Freddie went, hey! And the sheep was like, bat. And they turned and started walking to Freddie. Another one, 2,500 sheep, started walking to him. Every sheep knew the master's voice. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want because I know his voice and he knows my name. If you're really in trouble today, whether you're watching online or in this church, if you're really worried, and there ain't nothing wrong with worrying. It's a human nature to worry. It's human nature to be like this. This is human nature. It's human nature. But it can't dominate your life. You were not born to hide. You were born to live. You got to live. And you got to trust in God. Do your part, but trust in God. I get laughed at all the time. Every time I get out of my car, I got a mask on. These dudes were making fun of me. In the middle of June, I went to an event. I had my mask and I had hand sanitizer. And they were laughing at me. Laughing. There was 175 speakers. 39 of them got coronavirus. I didn't. I do, and they go, well, I can't believe it. Okay, everybody go, I knew Reggie wasn't going to get it because we made fun of him because he had a mask and hand sanitizer. Seriously, people. And if you've never had to test, have to test. Next time, you'll wear a mask. Because I'm telling you, it ain't, it's the most intrusive thing. Have you ever had somebody try to shove a two-by-four up your nose and touch your brain? That's the test, all right? There it is. I just thought I'd let y'all know. You know what we have to do? Raise it up in our own personal life and raise it up for the world to see. What are we raising up? We need to raise up peace. We need to raise up joy. We need to raise up love. We need to raise up healing. We need to raise up redemption. We need to raise up salvation. We need to raise it up. So the question you have to ask, there's two questions. First of all, ask yourself this. Is he my shepherd? Because if he's not, I need to be worried. And the second part and last part is the next part. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Do you know what the key word in that sentence is? Through. Through. You were never born to live in hurt. You were never born to live in pain. You were never born to live in sorrow. You were never born to put a tent up in the valley of the shadow of death. You were never born to live there. You're not supposed to be camping there. You're not supposed to hang your clothes on a line there. You're not even supposed to do your laundry there. You need to pass through it. So if you've ended up camping out in the valley of the shadow of death, you know what you need to do? Leave the tent. Leave the sleeping bag. Leave your stuff. Get up and start moving. Get out. Get out of that valley. You got to get out of that valley. You were never born to hurt the way you're hurting. You were never born to live the way you're living. You got to get out of there. Because it was just supposed to be a way through to the promise that he has for you. Hillsong, I get to work with them a lot. They have a song that says, I'll praise you on the mountain and when the mountain's in my way. Because you're the same on the highlands and the valley the same. Don't you get it today? This church would pretty much be called a mountaintop. Because that's where we go to meet God, on the mountaintop. But that valley of the shadow of death is where God comes to save us. You got to have them both so that you can survive. So I'll praise him on the mountain, and I'll praise him when the mountain's in my way. 
today is the two questions. Is the Lord your shepherd? And the second question, why are you living in that valley? It's time to go. Let's pray. Father, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl here. God, I know you love us and care about us. And I know, God, as I was speaking, that this was the message for this morning. God, whether they're online or watching this live, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak hope, trust, and love while we answer these two questions. But every head bowed, every eye closed. First question is, is the Lord your shepherd? If somehow, for some reason, you're in this place or watching at home and you say, no, the Lord is not my shepherd. No, he's not. I've messed up. I have to get things right. Then today's your day to get to get right. This is your day to ask Jesus to be your shepherd. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We're all doing it together. You know why? We're family. We're church family. Even if you're at home, you're church family. So we're going to say this prayer together. I need every saint to help every sinner. You know why? Every saint has a past and every sinner needs a future. And this prayer is where your future happens right now. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, everyone say this with me. Say, Jesus, today I realize I need you. So Jesus, right now I ask you to be Lord of my life. I give you my life. I cannot live anymore the way I've been trying to live. I need to be able to say, when I say amen, that the Lord is my shepherd. I don't know why you would love me, but I'm asking you on this Sunday morning, forgive me, Jesus. Be my Lord. Be my shepherd. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. The Bible says in Matthew, if you declare God before men, I'll declare you before me and my Father in heaven. We got to do this. We got to take a stand. We got to, by faith, declare what we prayed. Whether you feel it or not, you got to declare it. So from the back of this room to the front, from the left to the right, even if you're at home watching this on TV, I'm going to count to three. If today you got right with God, I want you to look up and wave. The only person that's going to be looking is your pastor. Pastor, stand up and look at your congregation, please. Even if you see, watch him on TV, you got to wave at him. On three, wave at him. When he waves back, you can look back down. Today you got right with God. One, two, three. Wave at him. Wave at him. Wave at him. He'll wave back and you can look down. I'm going to give you five more seconds to do that. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Number two, here it is. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The first thing is this. Like, listen to me. Failure isn't failure because you failed. Failure is failure because you stopped moving. Give it to you again. Failure isn't failure because you failed. Failure is failure because you stopped moving. It's time to move. Everybody hit your neighbor and say, it's time to move. So here it is. If you've been in a valley, even Christians find their way in that valley. Even they find their ways living in a tent in that valley. If you've been in a valley and you're like, that's it, I'm getting up and I'm going to go. By faith, you got to move. And you got to move in this service. I'm going to count from 10 to 0. Everybody in this room who says, Reggie, I'm in a valley, but I'm getting out. By God's grace, I'm getting out. And the symbol of that, to show a visual of that, I'm not going to sit here from 10 10 to 0, if you're going through a valley and you're like, I'm going to get out of this, in Jesus' name, by faith, I'm going to have you just stand up. You don't have to come forward, just stand. And if you stand, you're saying, I'm in a valley, but I'm giving it to God, and I'm going to start moving. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, in Jesus' name. 
Everyone stretch your hands toward these. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now. You know the valley. You know the hurt. You know the sorrow. You know what they're going through. I pray, God, that you would be a will and a will. Be the hope, God. Be the answer to their prayer. Let them know that they can make it. In Jesus' name, they can make it. Whether they're young or old, let them know it's going to be all right. In your name, I pray. And everybody say amen. How do you end a sermon like that? How do you do that? Well, I'm going to show you how. You end it with a song. So I need everybody to do me a favor. You're going to talk about this for about a week. Put your hands up. Put your hands down. Go like this. Just wiggle your fingers. Till you get them like that. Point at yourself. Point at your neighbor. All right, put your hands up. Put your hands down. Do the wiggle. Point at yourself. Point at your neighbor. We ready to get out of that valley right now. Everybody say, the Lord is my shepherd. You'll know when to do that. I've been waiting all weekend to do this. Y'all ready? Turn it up a little bit before you push play, though. Turn it up just a little bit. We got to do this right. Get your hands ready. Push play. Here we go. Clap your hands.
Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.